You are an Iron Man. Other than, will you marry me? No four words have impacted my life more. Welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. I am really excited about today's podcast with the voice of Iron Man, Mike Riley. An Iron Man triathlon is a 140.6 mile race, 2.4 miles swimming, 112 miles on your bike, and then 26.2 miles running. Yes, a full marathon of running at the end. Now, the follow-up question I usually get from people is, how many days do you get to do that? One. It's all done in one day, 17 hours to get the medal. I've been able to finish two of them. I've actually started a third, failed to make the bike cut off, and I got pulled from the race. And considering I was in France at the time, there was a lot of bitterness and Bordeaux afterward. If you ever see me, I'll tell you the story. You are an Ironman. It's what athletes obsess about hearing at the end of the race. You cross the finish line, your name is announced, you hear those words, and for a lot of people, it is life-changing. It's life-affirming. And people overcome a lot to get to that point. And once they do, they're changed forever because it gives you this well that you can dig deep on, that you can go back to when times are really hard. And you can say, you know what? I remember that day where I doubted myself like 150 times and I pushed through and I got to the end. There is just something about a voluntary suffer fest, as I call them, that is incredibly empowering. It's incredibly stress relieving. And it is, I don't know, it's life affirming for a lot of us. I know it's not for everybody, but for me, it's been a big deal. There is a legendary voice in this sport that at the end of the race says those names. And his name is Mike Riley. He is the official voice of Iron Man. And if you've ever watched the Iron Man special on TV, it usually airs in November, you have seen Mike. You have heard heard his voice. You've seen him run up to the athletes, yell their name, throw his hand in the air and make them feel like him saying you are an Iron Man, that it's the first time he's ever said it. That's the magic of Mike Riley. He makes every single person crossing that finish line, and he will do this thousands of times in one day, he makes every single person feel like they're the one that they're the only one. It's estimated that he has yelled, you are an Ironman, to more than 400,000 athletes over more than 30 years. That is amazing, isn't it? So here's the backstory. Mike is a Southern California guy. He got into running in San Diego in the late 70s. He picked up a microphone in 1979 at a race where he was actually injured. He had a hurt hammy. And a friend of his said, hey, can you can you grab that microphone and just announce some of these runners' names. At the time, he was a middle school special ed teacher. He wasn't a professional announcer or public speaker, but he just did it. And he noticed that when he said people's names, they perked up, they got a little taller, and they crossed the finish line, and he saw that connection. So he went on to open up a running store. He started Race Place Magazine. But over the years, nothing has cemented his legacy, like being the official voice of Iron Man. And what I love and I respect about Mike is that he has never lost the wonder that this is his job, that this is his calling. He finds joy in doing the same thing over and over again. And that is so hard to do. His book, Finding My Voice, is phenomenal. He tells some tales from all those years at Iron Man, some really awesome stories. So Iron Man is coming to Sacramento on October 24th. And 
I didn't sign up until I knew Mike Riley was going to be the one calling the race at the finish line. And I am hoping and planning to hear those four words at least one more time. That is the goal. I'm this dying to ask what Mike has learned about life and human nature in 30 years of announcing Ironman, the incredible preparation he does before a race to make sure he knows the names of thousands of athletes, what he thinks is drawing people to this race coming out of the pandemic, what he was doing in the pandemic. I never saw this answer coming. <laughs> we'll talk about why this race changes so many lives. And then his advice for digging deep when things get tough, whether you're racing or not. Mike Riley is my guest on Dying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track of living our best Instagrammable lives best lives-ish, the reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Mike Riley, thank you so much for being on the Dying Desk podcast. This is a real treat for me. Oh, it's a treat for me too, Deidre. I, I love, uh, I love your handle. Run, run, read, sip. Correct. That's right. Yes. Uh, I did. I told my wife about it, and who is she? I says, run. She reads, and she, you help promote my book, which thank you very much. And <laughs> of course. Sips. And I'm assuming the sip is some nice red. I don't know about you, oh, but it I, is for <laughs> red, white, whatever happens to be open. Mike is totally good with me. Well, it's, you know, it's so funny. We had connected, um, at the very end of February because your book yeah. had come out and I loved it. And I wanted to, to talk to you about it. Cause it was like such a, such a great read. And the last Instagram message that, that we exchanged was you were heading off to Ironman New Zealand. You said, we'll connect when I get back. And then everything went oh. crazy. Isn't that just crazy to think about? It is. I, Ironman New Zealand, March of 2020 is kind of my, is, is my marker. Uh, because when we went to New Zealand, there was really just talk of the, you know, COVID and pandemic and everything. I got there and New Zealand was really insulated. There was no cases there. We had a wonderful time at what I think is one of the best Ironmans in the world. I've, you know, I've been there over 20 times. And, and then I was standing the, uh, after the award ceremony with a couple of uh, American friends. And I go, hey, what do you hear about this pandemic in the US? And they both said, well, I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we get home. Well, when my Auckland flight landed at LAX in Los Angeles and I was going to drive down home to San Diego, I walked around. I thought it was Armageddon. I, I didn't. Wow. I go, oh my gosh, I guess this is like really kind of for real. And, you know, the rest is history. So that was the last. Ironman I did until we did November 2020. We pulled off Panama City Beach at Ironman Florida, which I don't know how, but that was wonderful to be able to pull that one off. Yeah, it is. Um, it is weird to think about everything that's happened in the last 18 months. And it's funny. I remember like when, when races started being canceled, I remember people saying, well, there are more important things and we've got to, you know, obviously we have to focus on these other things. But as the time went on, I really became of the mindset, like, these races are important because for a lot of people, they are, they're the culmination of a mental health journey to protect their mental health. And 
I am so grateful to start seeing races coming back and big ones coming back, including Ironman California coming to Sacramento here at the end of October. I think it's a really big deal that we can do this. It's, it's huge. It is, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, the athletes or the runners or triathletes, they're selfish. They just want to have an event, but it's selfish in a good way. We're, if someone is taking care of themselves, if they're working out, if they're eating right, if they're uh, getting their sleep, whatever they need to do, sure, that's a selfish thing to do, but it's a selfish thing to do so that you become a stronger human. Thus, your relationship is stronger, how you communicate with people is better. So when that's taken away from us, sure, we can go out and train, but we've always got to have that one great big hairy goal, you know, to be able to do an event, whether it's a 5k or, or an Ironman. And when that was taken away, a piece of us was, was taken away. Uh, but you, you push through it, you try to get to the other side constantly every day. That's why I call my podcast find your finish line, because it's not only doing that in a race or an event, but it said every day in life, we got to, okay, what finish line do I have to get to today? And there's going to be some hurdles. So yes, it took a bit out of each of every one of us. But the one thing I see out there is people realized during the pandemic, they went out and did walks, they walked their dog more, they went and jogged, they rode their bike around the neighborhood, they walked with their kids, relationships became stronger with the family unit. They realized that, gosh, when I work out a little, I don't feel like crap like I did before I went to work out. So I think hopefully that helps and people realizing, you know, we have to stay active, we have to stay healthy. It, it's really the biggest it's the biggest uh, weapon we have on, on beating this pandemic back. What were you doing the, during the pandemic? I was, uh, my, my, my home should have been in better homes and gardens. I became a succulent <laughs> king. I, I got more cactus, you know, here in Southern California. And I, it was like my therapy. Obviously, I'd go, thank goodness, I'd go ride my bike and work out and would lift weights in the garage and obviously no travel. But I just... You know, I did a lot of that. I could still see the, the grandkids. We, well, we didn't for a while. Then we got back with them and that was, they live here in San Diego. So that was wonderful. But yeah, I just became this. Uh, I'd, I'd go outside and my wife would yell out, you out here? And I'd look around the corner and I got the gloves on. And I, you know, I'm, I'm moving a plant. What are you moving that plant for? And I was really just moving it just to move the damn thing. Because, because it's I, Tuesday. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I got to do something. So like everybody, you just filled the days with something productive. You had to find something. You are a succulent king. See, yeah, you I, found the thing you needed. <laughs> I, I had to get back to, I told my friends, I had, I got to get back to this racing thing. They go, yeah, I know it's bad. I go, no, you don't understand. My wife is getting sick and tired. Of, and when she wakes up in the morning, you are up. You are my wife. She goes, you, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and plus, let's be honest, it's been such a, a part of your DNA for the last 30 years, you know, being, being the official voice of, of Iron Man. Take people back to how this all really started, because I, I didn't know this until um, this weekend when I was doing some research, but you were a middle school teacher. Yes, I was. I was. Which is funny because when I think about wrangling, wrangling people at a race, middle school teacher would come in handy. <laughs> yeah, my teaching years, uh, I was a special ed teacher in middle school. And it was, gosh, I learned a lot. It was funny. My older brother was a teacher and 
when I uh, went into my first year, because I'm going to tell you something, your first year of teaching, you're going to learn more than you did the last four years of college. And I go, what are you talking about? And it was absolutely true. So it was a great building block. But then I got into the endurance business. My brother and I opened up running shoe stores here in San Diego. And, and then I was hooked because triathlon was kind of born and bred. Well, it was born and bred in San Diego. And we'd go out on the weekends and just do mini tries constantly. And I'd run, we'd, we'd decide on Wednesday to go run a marathon somewhere on Sunday. I mean, it was crazy. And it's just, it's just what we did. So uh, I, I, I grew up in the business and, and I was able, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I could produce my income in, in endurance sports. Yeah. And so the actual announcing part of it, though, came in during a time when you were injured and you just jumped in to help announce some names. Well, I, the race took, I was a 10K down at Mission Bay here in San Diego and they took off. There was about 250 runners and I went out to watch some of my buddy. I had a bad hamstring, so I couldn't run. The race director, Lynn Flanagan, saw me standing there after she goes, What's, what are you doing? Oh, I got a bad hammy. I can't, she can't run. And she goes, oh my gosh, I got this stand up megaphone speaker and this microphone uh, with this little thing, you turn it on here, you call people's names. And she gave me the list uh, printout of the names and you call out their names when they come in. Cause you, you know, kind of know everybody. First thing I thought Deidre was, Oh my God, I got friends finishing. I get to crank them and make fun of them when they come <laughs> through the finish line. That's what I was thinking, you know, but then I, I just started calling people's names and I, I saw them like kind of light up and, Oh my gosh, that's cool that that dude just said, congratulations, you did a good job or fast run or whatever the heck I was saying. I was saying things that I'd want to hear when I finished. And so I, it just kind of hooked me. I go, well, this is, this is kind of cool. I, and we need more of this because I've finished a lot of races where, uh, yeah, there's, there's the timing test. Go, go, go hand in your thing and go get your, your soda, you know, that. So, uh, it just kind of grew from there. When um, you became a part of the Ironman, though, things really changed. And so <laughs> tell, tell a story about like how that, because I, the way I've heard the story is you had never actually seen Ironman until the first time you went there to call it. No, I mean, we had it on ABC Wide World of Sports, you know, like everybody else. I saw the small shows they had on, on TV afterwards. Uh, and being in San Diego, I was, I was around the Mark Allen's of the world, the Scott Tinley's. I actually represented Scott's clothing line. Uh, Paula Newby Frazier's. You go for a ride and you'd hook up with like 10 people and three of them would be in it. And then they drop us after about 20 miles. You know? <laughs> so uh, I, I was a big part of that. And then 1989, I got a call because I had announced so many races in Southern Cal. Would you like to come and help out Mike Plant, who's also from San Diego, who was the lead announcer. Uh, this was 89 and come on over and you know, it's like being called up to the big leagues. And I, uh, I went over and, and the rest, you know, the rest is history. I did it with Mike a couple of years and then took over the reins after he left. And, you know, it's been the same. It's been nothing but the same ever since. But when I say that, I always think it's nothing but the best same ever since. <laughs> yeah. And even though the even though the days probably feel similar, they're never the same. I mean, it's kind of like what yeah. I do with news. Yeah, it's very similar each day, except that it's not at all similar because things change all the time. And you have you have different faces coming through and, and different experiences and stories and backgrounds and all of it. Yeah. And, and like you, I mean, every event, when I lead that event, I always do a pretty tough self-evaluation. 
okay, I remember I made that mistake. And, you know, when I say something live, everybody hears it. You know, it's, it's, there's no, you know, there's no recording. And so I, I go back and do an assessment of the day. Uh, but at the end of that, all I go, all right, just raise the level for the next event. Make yeah. sure those athletes get even more uh, than you can give them the next event. Uh, and that's what how I've lived on the microphone all these years of wanting to be not better for me. You know, you want to do a better job and be as professional as you can and say the right things. But I want to be better because I think that better gives more to the athletes who deserve it every step of the way. I'm going to ask you a question. I know you've answered like 17,000 times, if not more, <laughs> but the backstory on where the, where the phrase, you are an Iron Man, is just a great story. Will you tell it, please? I sure will. It, yeah, it's not like I was, you know, announcing the race. I was 89 and 90 announced it. I never said that. And it wasn't like I was sitting around trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what can I say to him besides, hey, What's you're my a winner, thing? you're a champion, <laughs> yeah. you look fantastic. And you know, all the accolades that you can give them. Well, I uh, was there in, in 91 and a buddy of mine was there from San Diego doing the race. I met him on a Lee drive, you know, a few days before the race. And uh, I, I said, Hey Dan, what's up? And he goes, Hey, how you doing? I go, what's, what's wrong? I, nothing. I, I just, I don't know how I'm going to do on Saturday. And, and he was, I've run with the guy and he was always up, but he was down and I go, well, you, you're going to be great. You're going to be fine. You're going to get it done. He goes, yeah, I know. But the training and it was kind of a woe with me. And I go, you'll be all right. And we, we parted ways. Well, then I saw him the day before the race when he was checking in his bike. And I go, hey, Dan, what's up? How you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm all right. He was a little better. And uh, so we talked a few more minutes. I don't exactly know what we said to each other. But I do know when he was kind of walking away, I said, Dan, don't worry you'll be an Ironman tomorrow. And he goes, all right, yeah, Riley. You know, in other words, he was kind of done with me trying to pull him up. And, and I felt a little odd, like who am I to try to motivate somebody, you know, at that point, it was early in my career. Well, race day comes and I didn't think about him much in the morning. I, I didn't see him in the water or get out of the water and the swim. Uh, but then I thought about him during the middle of the day, day. I said, I wonder how Dan's doing. Well, back in 89, we had no lookups. We had, I had sheets of paper <laughs> right. at, at best and a lot of notes, handwritten notes on post-its for goodness sakes. So I didn't know where he was at. Uh, and there was another announcer with me and I had the binoculars out because that's how we spotted everybody from the tower down to Lee drive. And all of a sudden I just, boom, there he was. I go, oh my, and I said to the other night, I go, I got this guy. I got this one. So I started bringing him in. I said, hey, everybody, this is Dan Twan from San Diego, California. Uh, he did the race last year. And I just go, Dan, you are an Iron Man. And it was like me not putting it in his face, but kind of telling him, see, I told you, dude, you got it done. You are an Iron Man. Well, he kind of looked up at me and waved and big smile on his face. And then I noticed the crowd, their, their octave level just, just went up. And I'm going, I don't get that. The guy went like 11 and a half hours and he's nobody special. I mean, he's special, but nobody knows who he is. And I go, that's maybe it's that Iron Man thing. Next one started coming in and I go, I said the name, I go, you are an Iron Man. And they went even, the crowd went crazy. <laughs> and the other announcer then would bring a few people in and wouldn't say it. And I looked at him, I go, Hey, say that. That's I think they think that's kind of cool. And for that, he goes, No, 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 I'm not, I'm not gonna say that. 
So I just started jumping on the mic, took over and go, well, guess what? Everybody's going to hear it. And then, then uh, a female athlete was coming in. My head's going, okay, Iron Man. Oh my gosh, what do I, what do I do? What do I say? And this is all in a matter of like seven seconds. Right, we right. Trying to figure it out. <laughs> Finally, I go, you know what? This is an Iron Man event. So there, and I yelled down to her, you are an Iron Man. And she's up looking in the whole deal. Uh, and, and talked to her afterwards, because I told her you were the first one I called an Iron Man as a woman. She goes, I'm so glad you said that. I'm glad you didn't say Iron Woman. And, it, and I go, oh, okay. And I really didn't get into why she thought that. And I still don't, you know, today, I because people want to hear you are an Iron Man. And that's, that's where it came from hanging. I have a sheet of paper on my wall right here in my office with Dan Tron's swim, bike and run time. I keep it in front <laughs> of me at all times, the 1989 time that he went, I mean, 1991 time that he went just to remind me that was the first. And how many times do you, I mean, how many times do you think you've said it? I mean, I've well, read 400,000. Yeah, that- it's, it's over for, you know, it's it, when we were doing the book, we started figuring out, okay, I've done how many races, what's the average Ironman, and yeah, yada, yada. So it's, it's 400 and some thousand times, I guess. I That's guess that old rule, that, I guess that rule, Deidre, of doing something 10,000 times. I yeah. Kinda, <laughs> I, if, if I mess up, that's why people come up to me and go, you mispronounced my name. I go, I'm, I'm so sorry. And then I'll go, did I mispronounce those four words after your name? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so after this many times, I think I... Uh, I can get it out. Okay. <laughs> I know people. And actually I messaged you when I found out California was coming out to yes. say, are you going to be there? Because there <laughs> are many people who, and I don't mean any disrespect to any of the other announcers who do the Ironman races, but they want to hear you say it. Uh, what is, what is that like to know that people wait all day? And in my case, many, many, many hours. <laughs> I hope you have a voice left at the very end. Well, um, I, what is it like knowing that like people really like they, they wait to hear it. And it's hard to describe to people who haven't done one of these races or haven't been out to one of these races, but there's something special about hearing those four words and hearing you specifically do it. I mean, do you, it's such it's, a weird thing to add, like, it's a weird thing to like ask somebody, why do you think you're so good at this? But, but why do you think it is, there is that connection for you? You know, part of the answer is, I don't know. Others, <laughs> others can answer it better than me. The other part is, uh, it's humbling. It, it keeps me humble. It keeps me grounded. Uh, when people, you, you can't imagine the stories people have told me of what those four words have done for their lives, S- save their lives from people wanting to commit suicide that deep and that strong. So I, I don't take it with a grain of salt. Each one is an individual call. I, I treat it as if you and I, Deidre, are having a one-on-one conversation for that split four or five seconds when you're at the finish line. Uh, to some people, it's the longest conversation of their lives. Uh, and, and for me, I don't know, I get emotional thinking about it. I always have. Because I know it, it was bestowed upon me in a way I never thought would happen when I, you know, high school, college, and, you know, announcing races. And when it started coming out, people told me what it meant to them. Uh, what it still means to them today, if I called them an Ironman 25 years ago, they can remember that moment almost as well as the moment their first child was born or the moment they got married or the moment they, you know, got that great job or whatever that moment was. And, uh, but it is, 
it's it's humbling. I, I and and there are unbelievable announcers around the world. Obviously, as races started increasing, we need to fill the void because Mike Riley can't go everywhere. <laughs> uh, and and I've worked with so many of them with Paul Kay out of South Africa, and he does the European races with with Till out of Germany, with Peter Murray out of Australia, with Joanne Murphy out of Ireland and the UK, and and they've all. Every one of them says, Mike, I, I feel a little weird, weird saying that. I go, no, it's not about me. It's about that athlete finishing. You, If you want, if it's in your heart, you tell them they're an Ironman. And it's all in all their hearts, and they do. And I don't look at it as a competitive thing. I don't look at it. I never have. I, I like, like them, I just want to go out and do the best job possible and take care of the athletes. And if it's my voice or somebody else's voice, but I think also they've heard the voice for so many years. I don't know what the heck my voice sounds like. <laughs> you know, when I hear it, when I hear it recorded, I go, that's, we all do. That's kind of weird. But I'll start talking in a group somewhere and people will come running up. It'll be at an airport. It'll be, oh, yeah. oh my God, you're that Iron Man. You're guy. the guy. I'm going, oh my gosh. You know, it's just, it, it's a small family, the Iron Man, but it, extends into the outer families of the kids and the aunts and uncles and the and the and the spouses so they all they all kind of know that voice and and what i say so it's humbling that's all i can say it yeah it keeps me, it keeps me grounded so i've been lucky not to hear you say it now twice i'm hoping for a third here in a couple of weeks don't hope and pray <laughs> I'm planning <laughs> i'm planning plan, to hear plan, it a third yeah. time um my my personal theory is that you bring a sincerity to this event and an enthusiasm that can't be faked. But, you know, you hear a lot of people talk now in our, you know, social media world world about authenticity and, and curated authenticity where people create <laughs> this image. You are not that. I mean, you bring this, this passion to the event that is really incredible. And I, I so respect the enthusiasm that you bring year after year. And I wonder what it is that you do to stay so excited about it. Because for a lot of people doing the same, same-ish thing for a long time, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to constantly up your game and to want to up your game. How do you do that? It's actually pretty easy. I know everybody out there has a backstory. And, and I don't always know what that exact backstory is, but like all of us humans, they have gone through some things in their lives that others would, would wilt because of. And, and I realize that. And I know they made a commitment to do 140.6 miles while they raise kids, while they work, while they keep relationships strong, uh, while their friends go, what the heck are you doing this for? You know, the, the whole deal. I know they've gone through that. But some people have backstories that uh, I wish I could tell everybody everybody's backstory, but I can't. So I want to give them everything that they deserve. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get complacent for me because I know that person may need to hear it uh, more than anybody can imagine. And I have to assume that with every finisher. And, and I do. And so many have come up to me afterwards and go, you don't know how this changed my life. Thank you. You're welcome. No, no, you don't. I don't think you realize how much, you know, they want to convince me even more uh, <laughs> that, that what happened to them at that finish line or what I said to them uh, it made a world of difference to them. And, and, you know, I always other, also remember 
our actions speak louder than our words. And I know now, especially with, you know, Facebook live and the races being live and the finish line and people from all over the world can have a friend in the race. Their kids can be at home watching their cousins, their, their nephews, their nieces, whomever it may be. And I'm calling them an Ironman for the families too, because I know it's going to be an, he or she finishing is going to be an influence to that family or their friends. Uh, so it's not only about that athletes, about that extended family they have, which uh, if, if everybody in the world took care of the extended families of our friends, we'd be a much better place. What's your process like to get ready for a race? It, it's not like you just wing it. <laughs> You're not a wing it kind of guy. You start uh, this early. You know, the, the process. Let's, let's take Ironman Hawaii week. It's a very busy week. Today would be the Monday of Ironman Hawaii week. I did a little Facebook live this morning. Great that Facebook's down today. But I did a Facebook live this morning about what would be happening on Monday. And there's something on Tuesday. There's a big VIP thing on Wednesday I do. There's Thursday, the Ekomo Mai, the welcome ceremony. There's Friday, the bike check-in. By the time race day comes in Kona and the cannon goes off, I have a big sigh of relief. I know I've prepared <laughs> and I go, now it's an Ironman day. I, right. can, I can do this. I've, I've done it many times before. Whatever comes at us during the day, I know that I'll handle. I know the team on the ground will handle. So the process of preparation happens when I, as soon as I, if, when I, I'm going to drive up to Sacramento, I'll get there Tuesday night or Wednesday morning when I go to the 8 a.m., staff meeting that we have I, i'll be amongst the the carnies the the road crew my family and i'll go okay let's do this and that's our process you know we, yeah. we all know the job we need to do and we support one another and uh it's it's not on automatic but well after that cannon goes off it's like something clicks in with me here we go baby we're bar partying for 17 hours let's get 17 hour party it's catered, yep. catered workout as your good friend bob bad would say right <laughs> yeah um that's my favorite line ever uh, what about in terms of prepping yourself with like names because like you said people want to hear their name and you do know a lot of the backstories and um i've, I've heard that you start researching that even a week on out just making sure you're familiar with it yeah the names are fairly easy for me. There are names, you know, when you've got uh, uh, a consonant and a vowel together in the middle of a last name, it could be the I before E or e, e before I on the pronunciation. So I don't always know that on the ones I, but I, I, I have a lot of background in, in, in nationalities. So if it's a German name or a French name or an Aussie or a, or a Wisconsin with the, uh, the Norwegian names, it, it I, I can kind of figure out the pronunciation. If I don't, I usually email that participant and go, can you send me your name phonetically? And I'll put it in my notes so that I say it correctly. And a lot of people come up to me the race week. Hey, by the way, my name is, I go spell it for me. And when they spell it, I'll say what I think it is. And a lot of times they'll go, oh my God, that's right. I go, okay, that's what I would have said. If I say it wrong, I go give it to me. I'll put it on a piece of paper. I still do the paper. I've, I've got the old legal pads where I'm flipping. Love it. Wait, wait, I know. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's pronounced Juliet, not Juliet. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, I do the best I can do because when you've got, you know, 2,500, 3,000 names, that, that's a lot. 
And so I do, be, I read them a lot. I don't, people go, you, you memorize them? No, <laughs> I, I can't remember what uh, part of a poem when I've read 20 times. So I, <laughs> what I do is I uh, become familiar with it. So when it pops up on the screen in front of me, I go, oh, oh yeah, okay, I got that one. I, I, I'm familiar with it. And that's, that's how I prepare. What do you do to um, keep going once the once the finishers start coming in? You've got like eight hours of nonstop people coming through, and I would imagine for somebody coming through, the last thing they want to do is be coming through when you're on a bathroom break or something like that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you do during that that time to keep your voice going, to keep yourself going, to keep your energy up? How do, how does that work? Well, knock on wood with the voice. I don't. I let the speaker system and, and uh, BCC, which is Boulder County Communications, puts, does all the sound for all the Ironmans. They know how to take care of me. They know I, 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 I can blast out speakers. So I, I don't, you know, I, I, I now plug my ears completely. I have for years because mm -hmm. I've, I've had some hearing loss with, you know, it's like being at a concert every night. So uh, the voice I don't know, Deidre, the thing just keeps flowing. If I stop talking for a period of time, it like starts shutting down. So I have to keep it flowing, keep it going. I don't drink cold water. I drink warm stuff. I lukewarm because the cold constricts the vocal cords. So, uh, it, I, and I breathe and I just diaphragm breathe when I'm speaking. And that's, that's just what I do to, but the other thing I think I do is I will myself. I think it would be such a travesty to lose my voice before the end of a race. And I'm there and, and I can't give somebody what they deserve. I, I, I have bad dreams about that. And, yeah. and, you know, thank God it's never happened. Sure. The next day I wake up and go, Oh no, it's not there. Uh, <laughs> and then get it lubed up for the award ceremony. But people love hearing me the next day. Yeah, oh, Mike, you sound, yeah. Okay. All right. How do your legs feel? I don't want to hear it. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> what, so, was yeah, it, what was it like? And, and go in the bathroom. That's a tough one because I got to go. Sometimes I can't, we used to be high in good little tidbit for you. We used to be high in towers and nobody could see us up there. They could see us and it was covered. So if I had to go to the bathroom, I had stuff I could go to the bathroom in. You could get it down. done. <laughs> but now there's the stages down below. Everybody's, Hey, there's Mike, there's Mike. Well, I'm, you know, I, sometimes I just got, I got to run to the port do the deal and come back. So yeah, um, I sure I miss some people. Uh, but a lot of people will come back to the finish line, you were in the bathroom and I say their name and I point at them and I give it to them right there. Fair and enough. Yeah, do, do, <laughs> do the best you can do. Tell me about the book and what that process was like, because you tell some really great stories from over the years. Thank you. I, I, I had stuff written down for years. I, I've got, matter of fact, this little black book right here has every Ironman event I've announced. Look at, look at the original sheets, the original wow. sheets. Mike Riley's black book on the Dying Dance podcast. The original, this is the exciting. The original sheets are just wow. race after race after race. And then, you know, this went away. Then I've got sheets in here. There's one, there's two. So I, I write a little, and, and all these stories started to affect me. Like they do everybody. And and I go, you know what? It'd be kind of selfish not to share some of them. Sure, some are on NBC and they've seen them. And I wrote about some of those, but I gave it from my perspective of what I saw, uh, how I believe it, it motivated people. And so I decided just to start putting them all together. And when, uh, 
we finally decided in the summer of 2018 to do it. I, I talked to a couple of writers and then it hit me. I go, Lee Groenfeld, his wife, Cherie and Lee are dear friends of mine. And he didn't want to write the book with me because he goes, we're friends. I don't want to not become friends, be friends after the book. And I go, God, what do we yell at each other every day? When we're writing a book? <laughs> anyway, we collaborated. It, it was beautiful. Uh, from beginning to end, it was about, you know, five solid months every day. Thank God he's a 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. early riser like I am. And, and we'd have so much done on some days before 9 a.m. And, and that's when I produced the best. So, uh, but it was a great, it was, it was a hard process, but a great process. As, as it went on and stories started coming together, then I talked to people even more. The best part for me was building relationships with every person in my book. And I still communicate with all of them. We communicate a lot. Uh, when some people are down, they give me a call and I go, God, okay, let's, let's talk about that. And it's not like I'm their Dr. Phil, but we just have this relationship. You know, when you put the printed word down about somebody's life and they let you do that, uh, that's pretty powerful. Uh, it's, it's, it's an honor to be able that they all said yes to me when I thought about their stories. The hard part, Deidre, was leaving stories out of the book because I, I didn't, you know, I couldn't go that thick. And, uh, and that's you know what why they call I, that. You know what they call that, though, Mike? They call what? that a sequel. They call it a sequel. I know. I know. <laughs> that's why I'm doing the podcast right now. The, the sequel is the stories of the podcast. Uh, because I, to be very honest, I didn't want to get back into the process of a second book. Yeah. Uh, the pandemic, a lot of things were off kilter. I didn't know if I was going to races. I'm much more productive when I'm, when I'm out there doing it, you know? And yeah, and, no, I get uh, it. I totally get it. But you know what the so hardest it, thing, the hardest thing about the book, the audio book. Oh my gosh. So it's funny. I was just about to mention that because I originally had the hard copy of the book. And then when, you know, the world went on pause for 18 months, I let someone borrow it and I can't for the life of me remember who I let borrow it. So I went ahead and downloaded the audiobook a couple of days ago and I love listening to you read it. I really do. Thank you. Uh, it, we got into a studio where a bunch of bands in Southern California have recorded their albums. My son, Andy, who does all my business stuff and social media, found the place. And he goes, okay, we've got, we've got a book for two days. And I go, two days. What do you mean two days? He goes, well, just in case, you know, we don't know how long the first day is going to be. I go, all right. So you hire an engineer. I've got a producer in my ear who's up in LA. Lee, my writer, thank goodness came because I found my, after the manuscript was proofread like 10 times by 10 different people, I found mistakes while I was reading the, you know, it, you know it's crazy. I go, hey, there's no period at the end of the sentence, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so we got into the studio and they said, you know, you can really start wherever you want. If you want to do the harder stories that are more emotional first. And so I did a couple what I thought were easy and they weren't easy. Everyone hit me in a certain way when I was when I was reading it aloud. It's like I was having a conversation with those people again. And when we're having a one-on-one -on -one over the phone, if I'm dropping a tear or two and they are, it's no, no big deal. It's among us. Well, now I got to keep the voice solid. And, and, you know, a couple of times I quivered and stopped and Lee, my writer goes, no, that's good. Keep that there. And uh, so we, we, we do it. And after like 20 minutes of, of a take, I do like 
downward dogs. I was doing burpees. I was doing push-ups. <laughs> I was going to get tea, come back. Well, it was, uh, it was 19 hours over two days. Wow. The exact amount of time that I'm on a microphone from 5 a.m. to midnight. And Isn't I, that interesting? It was really yeah. interesting. Uh, and when we got done on that last, that last night, it was about nine o'clock at night. And I was really much harder than announcing an Ironman. I was really starting to fade. I could feel myself slurring words. You know, you, my tongue wasn't working. <laughs> and uh, I go, I need like five minutes. I went outside, it's pitch black. I ran around the building like three times. God, you can do this. I mean, I was, if somebody had seen me, what the hell? <laughs> and I came back in and, and like nailed it. And they go, oh my God, where'd that come from? I, you know, okay, I'm good. Are we done? I think we got everything. And oh. I didn't have to go back in the studio and redo anything. It seemed I think you nailed it. Out. I Thank really you. do. Thank I would, you, you would, much. you could never tell that. Um, I did, there's a great Ironman California Facebook page. So I did put it out on the page today that I was going to be chatting with you. And I asked people for their questions and they filled it. And then, as you mentioned earlier, there's a Facebook outage today. So I don't have the list of questions in front of me right now um, of all days for Facebook to go down. But I do remember a couple of them and I've tried to ask them, you know, throughout this interview. But one of the questions people were really curious about was, have you done an Ironman and then they they seem to remember that one of your sons crossed as an Ironman so can you talk a little bit about those experiences well if they want to know if I've done an Ironman they got to read the book well that's see, true too see dude that's how <laughs> that's how I get a few sales you know uh but but it but it's in there no I haven't and the reason why is in the book but yes my, I've got a son and daughter my daughter's a Boston Marathon finisher uh she's just a stud at and Andy my son who played minor league baseball uh, decided after he got out of ball, I think I'm going to do an Ironman. Remember the kids grew up with it. He was, right. when I, when I did, he was three when I did my first Kona and oh. they've heard me on a microphone since they've been born. So, uh, he comes to me and said, he wants to do an Ironman. And in 2013, he, he started out weighing about 205, big baseball player, went back down to high school weight of about 174, 173. And, uh, went 11 and a half hours at Ironman, Arizona. And wow. that, that was, that's chapter 17 in the book that, that was, oh. I never thought I'd have that type of emotion. Uh, I've had a lot of emotion at a finish line, but I was talking to myself to keep it together when he was coming in because my, his mom was there. My, my daughter was there. Rose had the, uh, metal Aaron had the Mylar blanket to wrap him in. And, you know, it was just, it was just incredible. Uh, so yeah, I've called my, I've called my son and I'm, there's four very favorite, my son, my son-in-law married to my daughter, uh, uh, Randy who lived, grew up down the street. I know him since he was born, his mom and dad are best friends. He did. And then just at Ironman, Wisconsin, this past, uh, last month, my niece, my godchild at 51 years old, did her first Ironman. Wow. That was special. Everybody was there. Can the you, whole family was there. Can you imagine your life not doing this, Mike? Not now. I mean, somebody said to me, Mike, what would you be doing if you were still teaching? I go, I'd be retired. You'd be retired like for decades. <laughs> teaching like 20. Yeah. I, I'd probably have another job or become a fireman or I always wanted to service and, you know, fireman was always something I thought it'd be great to do, but I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I worked in sales my whole life. I've always had day jobs. I helped start active.com. And when there was eight of us there back in 99 and, 
and uh, you know, worked with Running USA with USA. I've always been involved with the business in a, in a business way. But, you know, obviously what people know me for is what they know me for. Yeah. And this was, this was your calling quite literally, literally. I, 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 I guess it was. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. For people who'd like to check out the book and they should, because it's really good. What are the best places to find the book and your podcast? Uh, MikeRiley.net. You go to MikeRiley.net. It's got the podcast there. Uh, the book, you can buy the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those good places. The audio book, the audio book. It's still, you know, I'll see the book sales kind of wane. Audio book goes up and it goes back and forth. So, and I will be in Sacramento uh, bringing up books. Yeah, I'll be at the Ironman Foundation booth at the Expo on Friday and Saturday. I think like 12 to 1. Uh, I, I'm bringing up like 100 books to sell and sign uh, at, the, at the Foundation booth. So hopefully you can get one there. And, and if you got one, bring the book you own, you know, and I'll, I'll be more than happy to sign that. And people well, I'm gonna have always to say, track mine down again. <laughs> If you, if you don't, copy. I will have one for you. I guarantee. I will okay? make sure I get one. I uh, will make sure I get one. Well, I can't wait uh, to see you, but more importantly, to hear you, Mike Riley. And thank <laughs> you for everything you've done over the years. You've had such an impact on so many lives, including mine. Well, thank you very much. That's very humbling to hear. And uh, I just, I just hope that you have the, the day that dreams are made of. Thank you so much. Mike Riley, how about that? That was ridiculous fun. He is salt to the earth. He is exactly like what you think he will be like and uh, does not disappoint. He is so kind, so generous with his time, but also with um, his stories. And he really does mean it that he feels excited for every single person who crosses that finish line. And that energy level ramps up in the last two hours of the race. And I know that because that's where I usually have been finishing. <laughs> But he knows that those are the people who need to hear him and need to, to feel appreciated probably the most. Because the people who win it, that's their job. They're, they're kind of used to it. But it's the people who've been out there all day and uh, really are having to grind to get to that finish line who it means that much for. So thanks to Mike for bringing it every time he shows up at a race and for making people feel like they won the whole darn thing because that is how they feel at the end. Funny story, we finished the, the podcast and we were just chatting for a few minutes and he says, what kind of washer dryer is that behind you? And I'm recording this in my laundry room, which is where I've been doing most of my podcasts lately. So I had to turn the camera and show him my LG washer and dryer because apparently the Riley's just got a new washer dryer. So we were talking about, you know, how it spins and the answer was quite well. So... <laughs> Just funny to think that that's what I was talking to the voice of Iron Man about. You can find Mike's book, Tales from Iron Man, wherever you find books. I downloaded the audiobook, and like I said, it's it's awesome company. If you're on, a, you know, a long walk with the dog or you're doing a long uh, workout, it's just it's really inspiring to hear all these really great stories. You can find me on Instagram at Run Read Sip. I'll be posting pictures from the finish line. No, hopefully necessary. Hopefully, it's we're going to be there. I'm planning, planning on being there, as Mike said. And if you have a minute to share this show with a friend who needs a little motivation, I sure would appreciate it. In the podcast app, wherever you're listening to us, there is likely a little share button. And I often text episodes like this to friends, um, kind of like a greeting card, only better. But I love to text them an episode and say, hey, I know you love triathlon. I know you love running. I know you love cycling check out this podcast with Mike Riley. So if you could share it that way, that would be awesome. That is the best way to grow this show. Thank you for listening. We will be back with another Dying to Ask next week.